It's Tuesday, November 4th. Happy Election Day. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from the Great White North, the co advisor of Motley Fool Options, Mr. Jim Gillies. Always good to see you, my friend. I seem to always be down here on Election Day. I was here two years ago for, for the Obama election or the Obama second run, I guess, yeah. the sequel. And uh, I don't know why you keep on bringing me down here for these significant events in your country's history. One more example of voter fraud here in America as you're sporting the I voted sticker. I voted sticker, sticker, (laughs) yes. You know, what can I say? Dig up a friend and vote early, vote often. Exactly. Uh, We'll dig into earnings. We will say goodbye to a true fool. Let me just say one thing about Election Day. And this is because this is not a show about politics. We don't really uh, get into politics, especially with me here. I have no idea about American politics. Um, (laughs) But whatever happens when the votes are counted, here's a prediction I feel very confident in: that come Wednesday morning, if you turn on the television, among the stories you will see are people prognosticating about what this all means for the stock market. Well. If the Republican Party now controls both the House and the Senate, as it is looking increasingly likely they will, well, this is what it's going to mean. And these industries, and you want to buy these stocks, and I'm just going to say, don't. Just whatever you do as an investor, whatever your strategy is, whatever industries you focus on, do not change that one iota, no matter how much noise you hear on Wednesday, because they're wrong. They're always wrong. Morgan Housel has written about Mm -hmm. this recently. So just pay them no mind. If ever you're going to ignore the noise, Wednesday is the day to do it. I think always ignoring the noise is good. Uh, uh, Sometimes it's hard. But I'm saying in this case in particular, because they sound especially convincing. Well, look, this is what it's going to mean for these. And it never plays out that way. So just whatever you're doing as an investor, just keep on doing that. Yep. Let's get to earnings from Alibaba. Their first quarterly earnings report is a public company. Revenue up for uh, 54%. They grew their mobile user base. They've got somewhere in the neighborhood of 220 million monthly active users on mobile. Stock up a couple of percent. First earnings report out of the gate. They seem to have done well. They, they It looks like they came in line with uh, the, uh, the lofty expectations. I, I don't think that's overstating the case. Um, you know, they said uh, gross merchandise volume up 49%, which uh, and accelerating, which is that's a measure of everything that's sold through their their system. Uh, their active buyers was up 52%. Uh, there were some concerns over their their uh, profitability. Uh, I see their EBITDA margins were down about 400 basis points, and uh, I was watching CNBC this morning while I was ironing my ironing my shirt. So they uh, uh, they had one of the I think the vice chairman on a gentleman. Uh, fairly high up in the food chain there, and was talking about reinvesting all of their profits or reinvesting profits for new growth avenues. So I think that uh, that probably spooked a few cries of "Oh my goodness, it's Amazon!" Um, yeah, there's certainly some apt comparisons there. But overall, it looked like a spectacular quarter. But I think you need a spectacular quarter for a pretty spectacular valuation on the stock. So yeah, look, I think it's up a couple percent. Are you at all either surprised? Uh, or perturbed, maybe not perturbed. <laughs> I'm often perturbed. <laughs> Are you surprised that Alibaba, as it stands right now as a public company, is larger than Walmart? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's just I, I. I I know they're both in the retail industry by mm-hmm. and large, but. Uh, Walmart has a few costs that Alibaba doesn't have. I, do, I so. guess that's it, isn't it? 
yes. Uh, I think I think with Alibaba, uh, there there's a lot of enthusiasm, and I mean I mean what I don't know about you know market participant enthusiasm would fill rather large library. Um, I'd much rather own Walmart today, even with the uh, the lower growth profile and what have you. But I mean like you know, again, you you've got you know the the buyer base. I, I mean the the number of 40, high forties and low fifty percentage increases this year over last with Alibaba. If you go through the press release, it's pretty staggering. Uh, Walmart's growing at what one or two percent, maybe. Uh, so, I mean, they're turning out you know consistent twenty percent returns on equity and what have you, and buying back a bunch of stock and giving you an ever higher dividend. But I mean, you know, they're not going to shoot the lights out. But you know, in the concept of market efficiency, and I know we're we're not big on market efficiency around here, at least as the way that the academics measure it, which is you know all information is incorporated in stock prices at all times. If you want the hard form of the market efficiency theory, but you know the market it is kind of mostly efficient a lot of times, and it certainly is efficient for these large companies like an Alibaba, like a Walmart. So you know. I mean, Alibaba is trading, you know, right now they're trading at 36 times next year's EBITDA. They're trading at 44 times next year's earnings. That's not cheap. And Walmart's trading, you know, considerably less. I love the fact that uh, part of the story for Alibaba today is because as investors, we like to look ahead. So the current quarter that we're in includes a week from today. November 11th, Singles Day Singles in day. China. Are you familiar with this? <laughs> I just read it 20 minutes ago. I, I think I had heard about this once upon a time, um, but was reminded of it this morning when I was reading. If For those who are not familiar, Singles Day is sort of the anti-Valentine's Day in China. It is when bachelors and bachelorettes celebrate their singlehood. <laughs> and apparently they do that among other ways. Or I, I, It sounds like it did not start out that way, but it has evolved into... The biggest single day of online shopping no in China. Time. So <laughs> November 11th is essentially Black Friday and Cyber Monday rolled into one, and even bigger than that. And you have to figure that Alibaba is going to be the main beneficiary from a business standpoint. Buy yourself something nice day. Um, <laughs> sure, I I have no comment on singles day. I, I, I did. I also thought it was kind of humorous when I read it. Um, of course, November 11th is a little bit more of a somber holiday in North America here. Yes. But, you know, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Alibaba. One last thing before we move on to our next earnings story. When comparing, or I guess when thinking about Alibaba and Walmart, even though they are basically the same size from a market mm-hmm. cap standpoint, I think Alibaba is maybe three or four billion dollars more. Than Walmart, so they're essentially the same size. But from the standpoint of the stocks themselves, I'm assuming you think of them the same way I do, which is they don't. If I'm looking at those two stocks, neither of which I own, but if I'm looking, at them, I'm thinking about them for my portfolio in different ways. I'm looking mm-hmm. at Walmart as this is a steady. This it, is a stalwart bedrock. Is, yeah, this is not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And that means it's not going to be as volatile. It's not going to mm-hmm. shoot up. It's not going to plummet. Whereas Alibaba, there's going to be greater price swings with that. Yes, and and with Walmart, uh, Walmart is almost tailor made for a particular option strategy that we use in Motley Fool Options that I've uh, have a certain fondness for called a diagonal call. Um, whereas with Alibaba, I think. The, you know, yeah, you you could we could wake up a year from now and it's a two hundred dollars stock or it's a fifty dollars stock and I would be equally unsurprised by either. 
And so I'm probably not going to play that with options. I'm, you know, I, I actually have some exposure personally because I own Yahoo shares. And all I'm doing is really hoping Marissa Meyer, the CEO at Yahoo, who I think has done a fantastic job since she took over a couple of years ago. I'm really hoping she's looking for a, they own about 14% of Alibaba. Really hoping she's looking for some near-term tax-free uh, exit strategies for the remaining shares because it makes me a little bit nervous, frankly. For the second quarter in a row, Herbalife's profits came in lower than expected. In the case of this quarter, profits fell more than 90%. There were a lot of one-time charges, but holy cow, I mean, this stock is getting absolutely whacked today. Down 17% at last look. And you seem utterly unsurprised. I think the happiest guy in the room is probably Bill Ackman. <laughs> I mean, um, Bill Ackman, activist investor who was very public with his short. Yeah, of- uh, calling it a Ponzi scheme and it's a zero. And yeah, I, I might take issue with that, but uh, um, mainly because, you know, they don't usually. At the time he said that, it was, I think it was a debt free, cash gushing business. Uh, what's interesting is the business seems to be degrading. As you said, this is a second earning, a second uh, whiffed earnings report in a row. Uh, what I find very interesting is they miss their own guidance. So I, I, I don't like companies giving guidance anyway. But if you're going to give guidance, you better make your own bloody guidance. <laughs> and they they whiffed on it badly. Um, I think uh, revenue was up about three or four percent, and they had publicly guided to nine to eleven percent. Um, and what's been interesting is they they cut their dividend a year ago. So this was a, you know, you could at least make a dividend because they are a cash gushing business, or at least what, they still are, I guess. But they'd cut their dividend to zero in the wake of uh, in the wake of the Ackman attack, and they've been going on a big leverage buyback, buying back their own shares, which should, in theory, raise their earnings. Right, I mean, because you've got less shares to spread your profits over, and now they're missing on their earnings. After, I mean, they bought back about twenty percent of their shares, I think. Um, you know, and, and and of course now they have some debt going on. It's like, you know, guys, you might want to avoid just stick to your business and as much as you can tune out the Ackman of the world and just kind of because I'm I'm a little bit worried that they've kind of lost sight of their business and they're worrying about you know fighting off Ackman, and that and that concerns me, frankly. Is missing your own earnings guidance about the dumbest thing a company management do can do? Just don't give guidance. Just, just don't give it. You know, just I mean, there's lots of companies out there who say we do not give guidance on anything, and then there's a bunch of companies that'll tell you how much they're going to have in gross margin, how much they're going to have in SG&A, and that sort of thing. It's just like you just look silly when you when you are so specific and then you whiff on it. And just like you know, the the stock market will figure it out. The the cadre of high paid analysts on Wall Street will have to do their own work rather than being spoon fed. And uh, you know, just just don't do it. Year to date, up to yesterday, shares of Herbalife were down twenty nine percent. As you mentioned, it's down, more now. Yeah, down another seventeen <laughs> percent. By the time the market closes today, it could be even more than that. For someone who is looking at this, thinking, "Well, it sure is a cheap stock now." Is what, it? W- the business seems to be degrading. That's that's my concern. The business seems to be degrading. They're America's 
Uh, so no matter business. how cheap a stock looks from a valuation standpoint, if the business is degrading, that's enough for you to say, no thanks. It's enough for me to give pause and dig in and see if I really think the business is degrading. Uh, you know, uh, it, it's a value. You know, is this a value trap, for example? You know, uh, somewhere Uncle Joe Mager is uh, grinning as I say that. But I mean, is this a is Herbalife a value trap? Is I think a question you should be looking at because I think the what I call the cult of the value investor, and I am a card carrying member. Um, we will often hold on to things with uh, the refrain that well, it's so cheap, and then it'll get cheaper. It's like well, but you know, I'm not going to sell now because it's so cheap, <laughs> and then it falls another five ten percent. You say oh, it's so cheap, and you know, by the time you've finished doing your you know lobster in the slowly warming pot routine, you're down fifty percent. You're wondering what happened, and and so I'm. I'm a little cons- I, I again, I've not looked terribly hard at Herbalife, but based on the fact that they have had these kind of successive bad quarters in a row, and some of their financial metrics are starting to degrade, I'm I would be a little bit cautious to say, is this a value trap or not? A couple of housekeeping notes before we get to our final earnings story. Yesterday on Market Foolery, we were talking about Starbucks. And I hypothesize that the the holiday blend of coffee that they sell is probably just the same as the Thanksgiving blend that's being sold right now. They're just the Arbor Day blend. The Arbor Day blend. Uh, and as soon as we finished taping, Anne Henry, who was behind the glass, making all the tech work, said, "No, they're very different." Anne had worked at Starbucks in a previous life, and so she assured me that they are in fact different blends. So, so there's that. <laughs> um, you got to say. Uh, a goodbye to, as I said, a true fool, um, and that is uh, Tom Magliozzi, who, for anyone who ever listened to the radio show Car Talk, uh, knows that Tom and Ray uh, self-identified as Click and Clack, the Tappet brothers, uh, were not just amazing at being talk radio hosts, uh, they were, I I believe, transcendent. And I, I call Tom a true fool because if you think about what car talk is, it is the automotive version of what we try and do uh, here at The Motley Fool because uh, those were two guys who were talking about cars. And let's face it, I, I, and I'll just speak for myself, uh, cars are l- basically a foreign language to me. Mm-hmm. And I think there are a lot of people out there for whom their automobile or their whatever they're driving is just something that they don't really understand. And so they are in a position of having to trust whoever they are dealing with, whether it is someone selling them the car, someone fixing the car, in the same way with your finances. For a lot of people, it is a subject that either they're not interested in or they feel like they don't have the wherewithal to make good decisions, so they turn their financial life over to an advisor. And you just cross your fingers sometimes and hope that you've got someone who's going to do right by you. Uh, and, the, and gosh, Car Talk was just, still is such an amazing show. They stopped doing uh, new versions a couple of years ago. They're still uh, doing reruns uh, every week on, on national public radio stations across North America, and it's uh, it's amazing. But uh, um, we were talking earlier. You you are unfamiliar with car. I am unfamiliar with car talk. Um, yeah, that's your, that's your homework assignment while you're here in the states. Go to uh, go to npr.org, download an episode, just or just listen to the tribute they did. You'll get a sense of it because just it's just amazing. And they had a great time doing the show. Had a lot of laughs. Um, and 
Oh, by the way, also really smart about cars. <laughs> I am not. So uh, you know, behind the the thick Boston accents of the car talk guys uh, were two brothers with degrees from MIT. So. So there's that. Uh, let's get to our final earnings story. Third quarter revenue for Red Robin Gourmet Burgers came in a little light, but profits were better than expected, and profits trump revenue in this case shares up more than 10%. You got to be happy. Very happy. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I, I may have an interest in it doing well. Um, uh, Is this a stock you own? That's a stock I own. It's a stock I recommended below $20 in one of our annual special reports a couple of years ago. So. Uh, it was a real nice quarter. Uh, I've liked. Uh, it, it's been interesting to watch because, uh, again, being fools, we we like to take the long term. Uh, we like to, uh, you know, say you know don't worry about the the quarter to quarter shifts, but you know get a, get a sense of the longer term business story. And we and we like a leader, a leadership team that as well that that respects their shareholders' equity, that respects the business and what's going on. And so this has been a really interesting. Uh, story to to have watched, frankly, for the last I think about almost four years now, um, because when when uh, Steve Carley, who's the current CEO, when he came on, uh, basically what had happened, Red Robin had been um, they had fallen from about sixty dollars to the, the teens, and uh, they just one bad quarter after another, and the leadership seemed to be more interested in building a, you know, growing through putting up new stores, and who cares how they perform after we throw them up. And so they had come under the attack of a couple of, uh, of activist shops, activist investors. And it, it was a fairly rare thing because what you saw happen is the company basically completely folded <laughs> in the face of this activist attack. They, they said, okay, sure, we'll fire the CEO. Why, yes, uh, we will uh, put four of your board appointees on our board and we'll let them have a very large role in appointing a CEO. And it has worked out spectacularly. And so... Uh, the stock uh, last I saw it was sixty sixty one bucks. Um, you know, Steve Carley has been very focused on uh, making good capital allocation decisions uh, about growing the business smartly. Uh, this quarter, they uh, they uh, bought back a number of formerly franchised stores in uh, the U.S. and in Western Canada, which has uh, boosted some of their revenues. Um, you know, about the only thing I didn't like about the quarter, uh, same store sales were up just shy of one percent, about point nine percent. However, uh, that was, uh, if you take the components out, they were, uh, their guest traffic was actually down about 2.3% and their average check was up 3.2%. So that, that's fine for one quarter, but you don't want that trend to continue. You kind of like to keep the guests flat or even increasing. Um, but other than that, everything looked pretty good. And what I really liked was, so last quarter, uh, Red Robin was disappointing. They waffled big time, and, and I think the stock went from about seventy to the low fifties, and where it's been drifting for this quarter. So, and 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 it's not it's not expensive. Like I actually think you know very the current stock price even at sixty dollars incorporates only about two or three percent revenue growth or uh, free cash flow growth going forward. So this past quarter, when the stock gets waffled, their repurchase program had been fairly token, a couple million dollars per quarter. The stock gets waffled this last quarter. They went big time on it, and they bought back more shares this recent quarter. I think the last five or six quarters combined. So, you know, buying back when the stock is cheaper. I mean, it's a great. It, it was a great story, frankly. It also seems like when it seems to me like a a bullish signal when you see a restaurant company not just buying back shares but buying back locations. 
because Chipotle, for a short amount of time, dipped their toe in the franchise waters and knew enough early on to realize this is not the way we want to go with our business, and they set about buying those franchises back. But I, I would think when you see that sort of thing, because I, I don't know, I, I'm just guessing here, but we've talked time and time again about how a lot of companies get share buybacks wrong. Mm-hmm. But off the top of my head, I would guess that it would be hard to get franchise repurchases wrong. Well, I mean, I, that, that just seems like the sort of thing that you don't do unless you're really confident you're going to do a better job with it and you're going to make more money from it. You would think. I mean, it's actually interesting because you've got the Chipotle story. They say, oh, we're not going there. Uh, you've got stories like a Tim Hortons, who's about 95, 98% franchise. That's all they do practically. Uh, and with very disparate results, shall we say. Um, you've got companies like Jack in the Box who have had a multi-year refranchising push. So they're, they, they were pushing, I think they were about 50-50 franchise company owned, and they've been pushing out to about 80% franchise. Buffalo Wild Wings is another one that we like around the Fool. I think they're about one-third company owned, two-third franchise. So it's a question of how do you get it right? And I, I, look at, I looked at this one, I, I, I thought this was a good deal. Um, I think that some of their franchising operations were were underperforming, and uh, because actually now this might be being too cute by half, frankly. But uh, if you look at the the fran- if you look at the franchise sales from this quarter, so in other words, we've taken out the ones uh, that we we just bought back a bunch, so they've moved from the franchise column into the company owned. Uh, the franchise stores that are still out there. The revenue is actually ticked up quite well, and so what that ends up, what that suggests to me is they bought the ones that were in trouble, because they know they can fix it, and so that that to me was, uh, uh, you know, maybe a little bit counterintuitive, but it's like, yeah, we'll we'll buy the good apples, we'll keep, but we'll buy up some of the the underperforming stores because we know we can do better, and and they're what they've done over the past few years has said that they can actually operate better the company owned one, so I liked that. But again, it might be being too cute by half. No, that, that that makes sense. I mean, if you've if you've got franchisees who are doing a good job running the locations, then you kind of don't want to mess with those, or you don't really need to. Have you been to Red Robin Gourmet Burgers? I have. What do you recommend? I've never <laughs> been to one. Um, I've only been to one. Uh, I, spe- I made a special trip down with a couple friends of mine. This is you know nerd here going here, but we uh, a couple friends of mine live around Detroit, and I live in Southern Ontario, so it was just a Went down for a day and looked at a couple companies, and this was one of them we went to. And uh, I had a burger. I think it was. I think I had peanut butter and a fried egg and like bacon candy. I mean, it was a great, great burger. But my biggest regret from that day is I subsequently went out for dinner like six hours later because <laughs> I did not need it. Yeah, I think if you're getting a burger with peanut butter, bacon, and oh, fried great. egg, it was great. Then you don't <laughs> you don't need another meal, maybe for days. Uh, it, uh yes. <laughs> Uh, before before we wrap up, <laughs> how do you up, follow that up? <laughs> uh, badly is how I'm following that up. Uh, before we wrap up, uh, I want to mention again our special offer on Motley Fool Stock Advisor. Uh, you can go to marketfoolery.fool.com or you can get it by text. Uh, just text the word fool to 38470. That's 38470. Text the word fool and we'll send you a link. You get 75% off Motley Fool Stock Advisor. It's our flagship service. Uh, I'm compelled to mention that standard messaging rates may apply. Got Always got to cover the legalese stuff, Jim. Thanks for being here. 
Thank you for having me. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Heather Horton. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.